This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey, it's good to be joined. Ryan McCaffrey. Hello, my friends. And Jared Petty joins us. I am Jared Petty. Extra excited to be here. That's what right. What a cast! What a cast we have gathered together this week. It's going to be a great episode. We got a great show for you this week. Um, lots and lots to talk about. Lots of weird old games announced this week. Uh, so we had to reach out and get Jared on the phone, and uh, he's just the perfect person to talk about weird old games Aww. with. And we're going to uh, look through the July 2006 issue of original Xbox, or official uh, Xbox magazine, which- Also the original Xbox magazine. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Which Ryan uh, was a a, a member of the staff for, and uh, his name is all over that magazine, so that'll be very fun. But first, need to let you know that Comic-Con is coming next week. IGN will be there as usual. Um, We're gonna have full coverage starting Wednesday, July 19th, all the way through Sunday, July 23rd. Live coverage is on Friday and Saturday across all of IGN platforms, wherever you like to watch IGN. We've got exclusive reveals, trailers, gameplay, interviews, show coverage from all your favorite shows, games, and more. It's all available wherever you get your IGN. That means we won't have a regular episode of GameScoop for you next week, but fear not, right after this episode, we're going we're gonna to tape a, an extra little scoop gem for you to listen to next week. So please be mm-hmm. excited for that. Okay, before we jump into everything, I have a couple anecdotes to share. Um, Ryan and Jared, I talk a lot about my son, who's almost four, and how he's just now, you know, sort of discovering video games and getting into them. Loves Mario, Sonic, and he super loves Astrobot Playroom. So um, this is something that happened last night. When my wife is out and I have to put the kids to bed by myself, uh, my daughter goes to bed first. So I usually set Kingo up with 
the PlayStation in Astrobot's playroom. And so he just plays, and then I take her to bed. It only takes a few minutes because, thank God, I'm so lucky my kids to go to bed easy. And then I uh-huh. come back, and everything's fine. So I, that happened last night. I set King up with Astrobot's playroom, uh, took Beatrix down, came back. Everything was fine. The evening went on uneventfully. And this is probably a rite of passage for parents, uh, for modern day parents. Um, it, this has finally happened to me. When I woke up this morning and checked my email, I had a receipt from PlayStation. <laughs> oh. I had a receipt from PlayStation for a costume pack for Peggle 2 for 99 what? cents. Excellent. Like Peggle 2 is a great game. Video games. Peggle 2 is good stuff. It is. And, and I had recently shown him Peggle 2. He played it. He had been aware of it. So he must have... I, you know, I know he was not like trying to buy something. He must have just maneuvered his way to Peggle 2, was fiddling around with the menus and bought a costume pack. I believe I remember reading Ryan McCaffrey's review of Peggle 2, didn't I? Good Wasn't memory. Wow. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out just a couple weeks after the Xbox One did. It was a launch, yeah. not officially a day one launch title, but like a launch window title there. And, and that was, boy, that was good. Was yeah. it? Do you remember it because it's got a good score? Yeah, I think I gave it a nine. I mean, it's It's a great game. It was Peggle, and they, it's uh, that's all you got to say. It's Peggle. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was a good sequel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Don't and don't we love what what EA's done with Peggle ever since? It's so great. (laughs) I couldn't even think. Costume packs are just so (laughs) worth it. Remember (laughs) PopCap, you guys? Remember? Yeah, remember PopCap? I couldn't even remember. Are they even still around? Are they? They they got folded into EA. I mean, they're. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's a thing anymore, sadly. Man, there was there was a time when PopCap was just um, they're just the best like casual puzzle game developer in the world. They were so good. Plants vs Zombies. Yep. Anyway, I have now since uh, locked down my PS5, so now purchases require a password. And thank goodness it was only a ninety nine cent costume pack for Peggle Two. Is he is he still avoiding Switch at all costs? He has not been. Uh, he's not played the Switch since the Blood Moon incident. Since the Blood Moon incident. Oh yes, I heard about the Blood Moon incident. I, I listened and heard that one. He's scary. And he's starting. I think he's starting to get a little bit bored with Astrobot's playroom. So I'll have to find something new. What he likes to do now is instead of play Astrobot, he likes to look at all the icons of all the games that I have on my PlayStation Five, and he wants me to tell me about them all. Not play them, just tell him about them. And but I have you to get... do that at work, so like you can <laughs> do that when you go home. Well, I have to get a little creative because there's just there are certain words that I don't need to be in his vocabulary yet. You know, words like kill, dead, gun. Just I just don't need him to be saying these things at this point. Microtransaction. So, yeah, microtransactions. <laughs> so he when he wants so he wants to know about Resident Evil 2. I'm like, well, this man is a police officer and he comes to his job, his new job at this town and there are zombies <laughs> everywhere and him and his friend, Claire, have to escape the town and escape the zombies. I just so waited for the day he comes like to and he's like, Daddy, tell me about live service. Like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Daddy, what's freemium? You can play any zombie game to a blood moon, really, if you really I mean, need it's to. True. Uh, yeah. And he only knows about zombies because Remember the there's... blood moon? Well, here's what happens when when humans die. <laughs> I can't tell him these things. He only knows about zombies because there's a pizza parlor near us that has like a Nerf uh, light gun game where zombies show up in that. So. Oh, cool. Mm. Anyway, some more uh, adventures in... Uh, uh, Parents' Corner here. Exp- yeah, explaining video games to your three-year-old. Uh, okay, let's talk about some old games. The Video Game History Foundation uh, released a survey this week showing some, uh, maybe some bummer news for people who think that uh, preserving and having access to older games is important. The uh, 
what is it? It's sort of, yeah. The report says only 13%, only 13% of games made before 2010 are commercially available today. I'll quote yep. from Cat uh, Bailey's news article for IGN. GoldenEye 007, which was finally re-released on Xbox and Switch earlier this year, has six separate rights holders, including direct competitors, Nintendo and Xbox. No one lives forever. Uh, these are just examples of, you know, uh, sometimes it's, yeah. it's, it's rights issues that keep these games locked on their older consoles. No One Lives Forever has three rights holders, and according really? to the study, none of them are entirely sure who owns what. It can also be prohibitively expensive to port games to new consoles with limited run games. CEO Josh Fairhurst estimating that just one port can cost up to $350,000. Is that wow. true, Jared? You- I, while I do not have exact uh, visibility into the financials, I do know that reproducing games like this, bringing them back, even through engines like we have, like Carbon, is incredibly complex and expensive. It's, it's, mm. You've heard of people talk about juggling chainsaws. This is like juggling Ferris wheels that are made of chainsaws. Like there's just so many variables. The longer mm-hmm. a property exists, the more that the music, the assets, the rights holders, etc., get tangled and convoluted as companies acquire other companies and then they split and then they close. And if you don't have absolutely every base perfectly covered, nobody involved will sign on because everybody's afraid of being sued by some phantom company that no one's ever heard of. And that's why so many of these games are lost. It's expensive, but it's also really, really difficult to get to the place where you can even green light it and figure out what a budget would be because you don't know how much you're going to have to pay everybody because you don't know who owns it. Yeah, I did imagine that. that like if you know, Nintendo owns a piece of the pie and you're like, well, we want to work with Nintendo, you figure out how to contact Nintendo, it's no problem. But when it's a company that just has that holds these things but doesn't really make or do stuff anymore, <clears throat> then it gets really complicated. Hmm. I did a story for IGN several years ago uh, about the backwards compatibility team at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And this was right right at the time that the original Xbox games started becoming backwards compatible. Okay. And they told me about how some of the contracts for the, the rights to this stuff were literally on paper. They were paper yeah. contracts from, you know, the early 2000s. And the same thing where it's like nobody kind of knows who owns this stuff in some cases. And yeah. it's... You know, like Nolan like, Bushnell used to roll those into big joints at Atari. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, Damon, you mentioned No One Lives Forever, which was a bit of a surprise to me. I mean, in the sense that, so that was a, if I remember correctly, Sierra published it. Sierra's now owned by, they've merged with Activision, who's now probably about to get bought by Microsoft yeah, pending yeah. this appeal. And the developer yeah. is Monolith, who's now owned by WB. So I have no idea who even the third party involved in No One Lives Forever could possibly be. That means that that MGM, Microsoft just needs to buy WB now, and then everything's fine. Right, we'll be fine. (laughs) Sometimes it's something, so, you know, this is a a, a farcical example, but sometimes it's like, hey, there's a sample in a song Mm. in this game. Not the song, but a sample in a song that's owned by a company that licensed it from a guy that worked for a Japanese cell phone company in the 90s that was acquired by a Swedish conglomerate in the 2000s that's now owned by a mega corporation in America who doesn't sure if they actually own the rights to the to the sample so we can't make this you know and that's what you'll <laughs> I mean, come you up against you definitely can't make it to release on the Switch online shop that 
eight people, including Damon Hatfield, will download, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, obviously, I love old games. I work in a company that does a lot with old games. Uh, you know, that we, we're always yelling about this old game and that old game we're bringing back. But it is even more trouble than you'd imagine. I also believe, and I think it's important to say, and I think Video Game History Foundation would agree, it's worth the effort. We have found ways to preserve film. We have found mm -hmm. ways to preserve music. It's expensive. It's difficult. It's costly. Rights are a problem there, too. We still do it because we value those as art. Video games are inherently seen as both toys and art, and sometimes I think we lean into the toys end a little more and consider them disposable. What I love about what they're doing over there, what what what, what Kelsey and Frank and all the rest are doing at Video Game History, is just saying, yeah, yeah, that still matters, and there's a lot to be learned from this. And so we're looking for ways to go to the trouble and get that 13% number up to something much more reasonable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you know if it isn't financially viable to uh, to bring a game out again, you know, to make it commercially available once again, if if not enough people are going to if there aren't enough Damon Hatfields out there, they're going to buy this weird old game. It doesn't make sense. Then it should just be made available. That's, you know, it's, they're not going to make money off of it anyway. And it is important to preserve these things. So, yeah. And occasionally, Aaron, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Ryan. Didn't we, we, what Damon's referring to, that's got a name. Isn't, isn't that, he's basically describing abandonware, isn't he, to an extent? I believe I've heard of abandonware. Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, Ryan's talking about, of course, uh, software in, in kind of the, the gray area out there where, we may not know who owns the rights, so we download it uh, and we grab it. And we don't think we're hurting anybody financially, and we're probably not. And the game goes on, and we discover it. I, mm. I have no personal ethical issues uh, with as long as you do that on a floppy disk. Then technically, it's a backup, and you're it's illegal. That's what I heard in 1987. <laughs> but you have to delete it in 24 hours. <laughs> oh, the 24 hour rule. But yeah. you can just do it again. So really, you just need half a billion people doing this every day. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the answer. I so, want people to get paid for the games they make, but I do think that at some point when nobody's making money on the game, I mean, what, what's yeah. it hurt? Yeah. So the reality seems to be that the, uh, the vast majority of games released before 2010 are not available today, which sucks. But the glass half full way of looking at it is, man, there are so many more games that they have yet to port out and put collections out for and, and you know do remasters and uh, up-res versions of. And that a lot of those were announced this week. There were so many weird old games announced this week. Um, they, some of them were part of Limited Run Games Conference that they uh, that aired this week, and then some Ooh. of them happened out of it. So one of them was Karotica. I pronounce it Karotica. Anyone pronounce it differently? No, Karotica. Uh, they, they made light of that, right? In yeah, the yeah. And, yeah. And the coverage. Karateka. And they, they settled on yeah. Karateka by the end of it. I mean, well, yeah, you don't want to be like Ross Geller. It'd be like karate. You know, you just can't. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, Karateka. This is the next one from Digital Eclipse, which just always does such a fantastic job. Like Atari 50 last year was an amazing package. And now they're um, just, this one's just going to be focused on this one game, which. I played, and I'm trying to figure out how I would have played it. Oh, interesting. On 360, Damon? There was, they they re-released it, oh. in effect, on 360. Well, I played it as a kid, though. I oh, okay. Wonder, maybe it was on the 7800, because my next-door neighbor... It was on the 7800. My next-door neighbor, best buddy, had a 7800, so I must have played it there. Yeah, there's a 7800 port. It was on the Apple. It was, it was on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I played Prince of Persia early on, but I never played... Uh, this game at all. You never played this? Were you even aware of it? It's like, no, not until I saw like, um, well, like I remember Retrots talking about it, but I think w some of us in, at, on this panel here probably saw Jordan Mechner 
talk at GDC, mm. I don't know, seven or eight years ago, Jared or David or Ryan, were you at that? That was at the Prince brought, of Persia That's one. when he brought his like rotoscope photos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's made his diary available. Uh, you can purchase it. And I've purchased it and read it. And he talks a lot about how this game came together. It very much is the 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 template on which Prince of Persia would later be built. It's a much more primitive game. It's a it's a very early version of a fighting game. Although it's one player only, it still uses life bars and and the kind of the the fighting game moves and controls that you'd expect. It's we just saw that that eagle get kicked in the face. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the very first video games with an evil bird. Um, uh, that stupid bird, just I hate it. But it's cinematic. It's a storytelling game. There are cutscenes in it, and and, yeah. and cool like musical drops. And oh, I I played this contemporaneously as a kid on the Apple II, and and cool. absolutely loved it. But yeah. people might be surprised now at this and Prince of Persia's play control style, which is like you basically cue animations, right? Or you don't even cue them. You 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 have to watch them play out. So if you press forward, you run a few steps, but you can't go back or jump during that time or anything. The animation's going to carry out. Is that an accurate way to depict this game? Because that's how it is in Prince of Persia. It's very much like Prince of Persia, where there's a feeling of delay in the animation activation. You doesn't feel imprecise, but you need to be thinking about what you're about to do. I think that's the way I put it. Now, I did see that Digital Eclipse is doing a remastered version of it, which they've done for some other games before. So I'm wondering if the the DE version will be smoother um, and and designed to be a little more uh, a little more yeah. reactive, more close to what we're used to. That would be my strong suspicion. And my uh, my friend and former official Xbox Magazine colleague Dan Amrick is one of the people at Digital Eclipse working uh, hard to to put this re release together. Very cool. What? I didn't know Dan was at at, at Digital Eclipse. No, yeah, small know. world. Ah, I'm very excited for this. Uh, they do such a good job. Um, and then also, Sam, this one might uh, appeal to you: the Jurassic Park Games Collection. Do you see that? I didn't. I, I didn't get to look into it. Can you tell me what the list is? Yeah, or maybe Jared can. Or correct me if I'm wrong. There's the the original NES Game Boy, SNES, and Genesis versions of Jurassic Park. Okay, those and are all so different from each they're other. All different. Very interesting. Not yeah. the Game Boy one. I remember the Genesis version playing as the Raptor and it being really, really good. Okay, I'm going to get yeah. us in trouble here. I'm pretty sure we didn't show any Genesis stuff yesterday. So Okay, I, but the list just says Jurassic Park, and I know that I think that game okay. came to all those platforms, so I was okay. just assuming that. The, the, right. the Super Nintendo one's super interesting. I, I played that, you know, several on several rentals, probably Homesick or something, because it's a huge game, and it has a great <laughs> so Zelda-like cool. top-down world, and then, like, a full-on Doom area inside uh, buildings, which is just really funny. Yeah, I've never played the NES or Game Boy version, so they look Me really either. cool. Yeah. I'm uh, really in love with the uh, the Game Boy cuteness, like the tiny little yeah. dinosaurs in the Game Boy one. I love Game Boy That's art, right. but so it, yeah. it just makes well, me happy, those little guys dinosaurs. It's oh, interesting that... The beginning that, of the NES game has that dinosaur biting the screen. It's great. It's interesting that there was an NES version, because by 93, when the movie came out, that was, that was the 16-bit era at that point. I know. So they went back mm-hmm. oh, to, yeah. to cater to all those, you know, however many tens of millions, if not a hundred plus million NES owners out there. It was absolutely the just dance of its era. I mean, <laughs> NES games stopped in 94, which is insane, right? But like yeah. things I mean, were ported around, you know, Mega Man 456 came out in that time, for example. Yeah. Like it's just, they just kept going with the NES. Yep. Awesome. Uh, this collection also includes Jurassic Park 2, The Chaos Continues. So I think, I think it's just a 16-bit game. 
Yeah, I've never played that one. And I also shout out a, a really fun, weird Jurassic Park game is the Sega CD one. A, a still yet a separate game. That's that. Was oh yeah, a, I remember a, that. Yeah, it was Mistflight, right? So you just had mm. kind of scenes oh. that you went from one to the other, and uh, it just looked really good, you know, for Sega CD at the time. It was like Sam, thank you. I had not thought about that game in yeah. so many years, but yeah, I I had a Sega CD, and I don't know if I bought that game or just rented it. But you're right, mm. it was. It was that sort of that era, that early CD-ROM era where they would it just be FMV stuff like, the, you know, yeah, they, exactly. they would sort of digitize pictures and videos and there'd be like, you know, a low level of kind of puzzle type uh, interactivity. And yeah, I re I'm, I'm remembering the, the Sega CD long, narrow case. Yes, that, exactly. that had that disc in it. Yeah, oh, boy. it makes me feel so nostalgic to think of that <laughs> too. I'd love to play and see that game again to see how janky it is. Also, I've been craving Sewer Shark as of late. <laughs> They'll be blotting you up with handy wipes. <laughs> That's what when you when you die and totally, hit the yeah. wall, they'll be blotting you up with handy wipes. <laughs> I tell you, I'm a little blushy at all this limited run games coverage. Thank y'all, I appreciate. I mean, it. well, let's keep it going. It was uh, the Tiger Heli collection. Is that also a limited run joint? I believe that would be a limited run joint. Yes, indeed. That's a cool one. I'm you get to so play Tiger Heli again, Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's just a I ton. I never thought to, but now I'm excited. I think there's a ton of games in this. First of all, it's, it's by M2, which just also does really great work with mostly Japanese, like a lot of Japanese shooters. Mm. So it's got the original, uh, I think it's called Kyu Kyoku Tiger in the, ar the original arcade, arcade game. game. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool looking game. It's like cute looking. And then there's Tiger Heli. Uh, and then there's like a two-player arcade version. Then there's Twin Cobra, which Jared, yeah. maybe you can confirm. Is that the sequel to Tiger Heli? Uh, I think I call Twin Cobra a spiritual sequel. To, spiritual to Tiger successor. Okay. Tiger Heli is is a like seminal shooter. It was extremely culturally important. Uh, it really kind of built on on the momentum from uh, from a couple of other games and sort of created like Xevious, right? Yeah, there like Xevious, like, exactly. Well, they do such look. Look at the trees there. Have they made it yeah. all geometric? Like it's such it's a like weird kind of cool choice. Look, you know? It's a weird choice yeah. to do. Um, I, yeah. I remember that being kind of an early third-party NES game. Mm -hmm. I think. Oh, Tiger Hill? Yeah, it totally yeah, was. Hill. It was. A, it was one of those uh, one of those semi janky but still playable like early NES ports. So um, true. Just like yeah. 1942, it's just like, well, this is not a great arcade port. They could have done better, but they just had to get it out. Yeah, I think Tiger Haley is better than than forty two, definitely. But it's still got that that definitely got that Micronics feel to it, doesn't it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Is um, that a Taito published series? I believe Taito published it on NES. Yeah. Oh, that's it though, just on NES. Uh, in arcade, it's Romstar in the arcade. Yeah, I can't remember who it is. I can't remember if that's related to Taito. Romstar had cool cabinets. You can see them in the Wizard, I believe, but on the side of the cabinet, it's just black. It's just Romstar, and I think you'd like put in different games in it. Cool. Maybe Double Dragon was in the, one of those too. I can't remember. Wow, God, I miss podcasting with Sam. <laughs> this collection includes like all the different versions, like Famicom, PC Engine, Mega Drive versions of all these games too. So oh, cool. that's pretty cool, but no release date on that one yet. And then the other one I want to mention is Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore, a spiritual oh, successor to a pair of infamous fantasy adventure titles. I like how careful they have to be with their wording. What, what, what is these this? Games. These, oh my gosh, wait. Do have you not, not seen yet, Arzette? Sam? Wait, no, do you not I know yet, Sam? I don't know these these, either. Wait, these are spiritual oh. successors to the Zelda Philips CDI games. Oh, really? Oh, yes. oh yeah. Y'all need to watch this. Yes. This, this yeah. is just I'm so this glad is just I, some weird to, stuff I gotta, here. I got to watch this, this video in real time. Yeah, so 
for hopefully people know, but yeah. there are two <laughs> Zelda games on the Philips CDI, like Laserdisc system, and they're and they off, look just like this. They're infamously awful, and uh, so a, like a super fan made a, a fan made remaster of those, and now that person has been tapped to make an original game in the exact same style. Yeah, they were they were inspired uh, yeah. by by the by the captivating beauty of those games. Oh, look, there's Hotel Mario. Look at this. putting this out. But uh, yeah, we're putting this out, and it is okay. like here's the nice bit: it's the Zelda CDI games, but good. Like yeah. that's the you know. Yeah. I uh, love not, this style. It's so funny. I just love the mixture of like those yeah. you know these yeah. animations and everything. It's just Apparently, cool. even some of the original voice actors they they found Ooh. them. Uh, from the CDI game. Oh, that's so cool. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's really just, just kind of wonderful. But um, it's uh, apparently a pretty good game. So I'm excited. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited about all that. Cool. This is good news, everybody. I'm going to play it. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, and that brings us to the July 2006 issue of Official Xbox Magazine, which Ryan worked on. And we have Fear on the cover, Uncover the Xbox 360 Scariest Shooter Inside. Also, Halo 3 Revealed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And remember, so July, this will be right after E3 that year. Mm -hmm. And it was, see, April, May, June. This will be three months, three months into my tenure at IGN. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right yeah, when you yeah. when you got to listen to Game Scoop for the first time, well, I mean, we had just started Game Scoop, yeah. Yeah, but you weren't on it the first episodes, right? Well, the first, there's, I think, the very first episode, and then after there that, 
Yeah, this uh, was this would have been about four years into my OXM tenure at this point. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what year is it? Two thousand six. What year is it? Uh, yeah, so this would have been uh, one year into my tenure as a freelancer at IGN. And That's at awesome. this point in history, I was pastoring a church in Florida. So nice. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> uh, they also have secrets for boosting your gamer score. Because gamer score was still kind of new at that Big point. Big deal. 360 wasn't even a year old yet. And then you, had a, you have a feature on the 20 best Xbox games you never bought. And they're dirt cheap. Then also, Ryan, I appreciate how you had to bury the lead on Rockstar's new game reviewed. <laughs> table tennis, baby. It's absolutely table the tennis. The Rage Engine test. Really smart. You buried the lead. I, I think that the um, uh, it's really cool that they have the Booster Gamer Score article because I believe I remember there are several free games you could get, like that mm-hmm. underwater game and stuff where you could just like, oh, yeah. get Gamer Score for free. Uh, yeah. There was, a, there was an Avatar game. Avatar, uh, yeah. If I oh, remember, yeah. that was the one where you could literally, and I did it. I'm not, a, I wasn't above it. You could, you could just start the game and in, in about five minutes, you could get all 1000 gamer yeah. score very easily. <laughs> clever, clever. Yeah. My favorite thing happening here in the top right is just playable demo disc, man. I, I, I demo I, disc. Gosh, John yeah. Davison has come on GameScoop a few times and talked about what a pain those were to get together. And it just sounds amazing. I also like in the top left, you were still covering Xbox because you know, at that point, they're reporting Jurassic Park to Xbox. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the original Xbox had mostly been left behind by this point. Yeah, because it wasn't backwards compatible, right? The 360? It was. Uh, it was backwards It started with okay. well, yeah, Halo and Halo 2 were baked in compatible, and then more games became compatible over time. I they added a list. Like, I played Psychonauts backwards compat by just buying the, the disc. Interesting. Um, but there was uh, it, it was limited. There were some games that they intentionally didn't port over, like the guy game, which got deleted oh. from catalogs. <laughs> oh. from yeah, we, I, I remember when we when we had that game in the office, and we were we were all just in, stunned that this was a thing that existed. I think, and I think that game is actually mentioned in this episode in this issue. Oh no! Uh-oh. Oh no! Uh, it gives it a good score. No, I, it, got a, it got a one. We gave it a yeah, one. I remember out that. Of I remember it getting really bad scores across yeah. the board. Yeah. A two-page ad for Perfect Dark Zero, and here we wait for the reboot of Perfect Dark. Just yeah, I love this ad campaign. I thought it looked really, really modern and cool. And then the game didn't like live up to the graphical style of the campaign, but I thought it. Looked- I love the it original Perfect Dark game. so much. Just not a great game. It was a good game. Sure. Remember how the, how great the bullet deformation and just like concrete and stuff was? I was like, <laughs> wow, bump mapping. Oh my god. <laughs> um. And I, I guess I'd forgotten. Remember, there was Superman Returns with Brandon oh, Routh. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was an EA game based on that game. Oh, yeah. There, oh, uh, yeah. Isn't this the one where the city is your life bar? Yeah. No. And, and <laughs> this was one where it came out. They did an, they did an original Xbox version and, I guess, uh, PS2 also. Uh, and they did a 360 version, a new-gen version. And the, the, old, the old console version was actually, like, terrible. Like, it was legitimately... Mm-hmm. It just was te- was bad. Uh, then the the game itself, the 360 version, wasn't great either. But the if you if you were on the old gen version, you really suffered. Did you uh, see what, the list of platforms on that other page? It includes, yeah, I believe the DS, Nintendo DS, and Game Boy Advance. Game Boy Advance. Is well, it was that's a late anything? late Game Boy Advance game, 2006. Yeah, cool. it, it was an incredibly neat idea. They looked at themselves and said, like, okay, so you can't kill Superman. So instead of just turning into a Superman beat-em-up, it was like, okay, yeah. the city's this life bar. 
And can Superman save everyone or as many people as he can? And so that became what it was about. It was about protecting the city instead of keeping Superman alive. And your failure state was if Superman failed to save Metropolis. And it didn't work, but it was a cool idea. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, An ad for the wireless controller for 360. I guess, Ryan, when it first shipped, it just had a wired controller? No, it was wireless. Uh, I mean, this is showing... Let's see. Then, well, maybe. Gosh, now, now I'm doubting myself because it does say the new Xbox 360 wireless controller. Yeah, I could swear that it came wireless right from the jump in no, in November of '05. Yeah, so I know the DualShock Three was wireless right out of the box. Yeah, I'm I almost. Know. I'm. You know what? No, no. It's it's definitely it was because that was a big thing that generation. Is we went that we went wireless right out of the mm-hmm. gate. So this it must just be an ad for. The fact that it's wireless plus those other three accessories down there. That's, I think yeah. that's what's going on is that it's showing the shadow of the wire. But what you needed to get for this was the battery pack and then the wire. And then it was like really nice because it really ate, ate double A's. Like it still does. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, well it, it lasts a heck of a lot longer than, than the DualSense does. Sense does. It does. And, and does. a lot longer than the Game Gear, which also had a good Jurassic Park game. Not joking. <laughs> it really did. I wonder if it's in the collection. Okay, I've had what was farts on? that lasted longer than the Dual Sense battery. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what, what was on the demo disc this month? Tomb Raider Legend, Moto GP 06, Battlefield 2 Modern Combat, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, and Blazing Angels Squadrons of World War II. I mean, if okay. if we're if we're looking back and being honest here, so this this was at this point in time, we we had already passed the the point where the OXM demo disc peaked. Because mm. this was, you know, by this time, publishers and developers weren't doing demos, uh, or early pre-release demos, I should say. They weren't really doing pre-release demos as much. And the online marketplace was starting to become a thing where you could download yeah. demos. And so that, yeah. that you know, with the, with the lead times being what they were of magazines, including our disc that would go in the magazine with the long lead time, Something that that showed up on our disc would would have already been on the marketplace as a as a digital downloadable demo for quite a while. So I this, mean, this, this was the one tail year end from the like the Halo Three beta that you could download and play. Right, that's mm-hmm. just a whole different era of exactly you know trying games. Uh, what yeah. do you guys associate with demos on downloads? Because I always associate two human, two <laughs> human. <laughs> I don't I think I play that. I don't even play that demo. I always oh, think I of Crackdown, the game that you bought to get the demo. And yeah, the Halo 3, like the yeah. best freaking game ever. Yeah. Halo 3 beta. Yeah. And I think yeah. Crackdown was great. Yeah. The first one Crackdown was. Crackdown was awesome. Yeah. yeah. This is a, a two-page ad for Chrome Hounds, which oh. is a game. I never played it, but we used to like joke about the title in the office. We just thought it was a funny-sounding uh, name. And I didn't realize until just today when I was doing some research, this is a FromSoft game. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it must they, be uh, like, like Armored so Core, Armored I guess. Core exactly. Spin-off. Yeah. 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 I believe this was sort of a faster, more actiony uh, mech game compared I've to played the, from the, the graphics. Look like they're better than today's graphics. And these <laughs> little bull shots. There. Yeah, they look really good. It's really not a bad little game. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad game. It's just, I, yeah. this is really this is everything before Demon Souls from Soft is kind of funny to me. Yeah. A Togi, Halo Three first Ooh. details. Yeah, Togi's on there too. Yeah, yeah. This is just like a recap of that trailer. Yep, the E3 trailer. Yeah, the yep. E3 trailer, which, and they started the finish the fight campaign, I think. Oh, I love that one, yeah. Yeah. Man, Cortana looks different. Yeah, that little shot there. 
Uh, all right, the letters section. There's some good letters here. Also, we have, we see uh, Ryan McCaffrey's there I am. Handsome, handsome mug there at the bottom. Your little blurb <laughs> was your, your top five most anticipated games list for 2006, updated as of E3, was Gears of War, Bioshock, Splinter Cell Double Agent, Rainbow Six Vegas, and Dead Rising. I picked those are five. Those all delivered. Yeah. All five of those games absolutely delivered. Yeah. Well done, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, a highlighted letter was um, it says after reading about the idea of actual radio over Xbox Live in the May issue I devised an idea for making a game experience feel almost real a video game company could make pads that go on different parts of your body such as your arms and legs that would change temperature so if in a game you walked into an icy cave the pad would turn cold or if you were in an in-game volcano the pads would turn hot these temperature pads would make the average adventure game a lot more interesting so we're still waiting for that to happen. Still waiting for that one. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Um, this is another reader. It says, I strongly agree with a recent comment in your magazine in support of short games. As a new 360 owner, there's so much to play and so little time. Plus, with the live aware features, I know instantly when my best friend comes online and I can drop everything new for a little Halo 2 carnage. Just saying it's amusing. We still talk today about how it's we, we need more short games. Some, there's too yeah. many long games. Mm-hmm. But I don't think our audience wants short games. I think they want... Yeah, you know, nice meaty games that that are worth the seventy dollars, which is you know different than us who get the games for free. Yeah, uh, big preview of Bioshock, and yeah, this this being my first year that I would was at E three for IGN. I remember seeing the behind closed doors demo of Bioshock oh, cool. and being absolutely yeah. blown away. Yep, Whoa. being like, okay, like this is this is like the next level of video game. It was this in uh, Mass Effect. Oh, I wrote this. Yep, you wrote this preview. I'm oh. going to show you that. Yeah. Was this was the behind closed doors thing just what they ended up showing as that first 20 minute demo, which was like a long walk through hallways and then a big daddy fight? That kind yeah, of they showed the big daddy fight. And I, I just remember I think I've shared this the guy holds too. his hand up and the big daddy drill goes through it. Yeah. I just Ryan, like, was your, oh, go ahead. I just, the water dripping down the walls looked photorealistic to me at the time. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Ryan, was your preview like this is System Shock with fish, or like how, how did it come <laughs> out? I'm curious. Well, that's a good. I'd have to reread it. It's been okay, so well. long. I don't even remember what I said, but I know. Why, why didn't Bioshock come out on PlayStation? Uh, it launched. It did eventually, right? Yeah, later it was. Yeah. So, okay, so it got a port later. It might have just been because the like it it came out uh, just ahead of the PS3, mm-hmm. so I guess they they must have developed it. Totally on 360, and probably didn't That's get their crazy. their PS3, you know, cell cell powered dev yeah. kits uh, till later on, and so that's why the port came later. Right, and remember there was that whole period, the first couple of years, where PlayStation got ports late because developing for the cell was exactly in the butt for a while. Yep. Nobody figured it out yet. Yep. Here's Which is why pre- they went to x86 with PS4, and it was the smartest thing they ever did. Yeah. Yep. It's another preview from Ryan for a game I have no memory of this bad day la this was terrible this game <laughs> was really bad now in, in the the preview i'm sure i didn't get i didn't get to play the whole thing but i reviewed this later and it was okay. really really bad i don't i don't think i ever heard of this game was it a gta it was, no american mcgee's bad day la uh um, it's an so american mcgee is, game you see there's the box out there on the lower right uh yeah. talking about american mcgee's other games and <clears throat> yeah this was like it was sort of these cartoony graphics and it was set, I think like on sort of this apocalyptic day in Los Angeles when the world is ending and it just didn't, it, there was not a lot of redeeming yeah. goodness about this game. 
Uh, and another previous Me again! Oh, Bomberman no. Act Zero. Another terrible game. This one hurts. Like, this... Yeah. Act Zero became... Jared knows. This became a running joke for a long time because uh, it, it took... It was, I think, a few years later where, where Konami finally figured out, oh, if we just go back to basics on Bomberman and release it yeah. as a digital game on Xbox Live Arcade, that's what people want. This was, like, this was an exceptionally terrible game. Like, this is probably one of the worst 360 games ever. And then this they is- did the same thing with Bionic Commando. They made a gritty, <laughs> contemporary reboot. Yeah. See, I, yeah. I, I liked... The Bionic Commando game on on 360. Yeah, it was uh, fine. It was, it like was a six. Yeah, it was. It wasn't terrible, but yeah, the live arcade, the digital game that, that got made later was was better. Yeah. Oh no, rearmed. I enjoyed it. Was yeah. The, yeah. It was the grin. Yeah, but I can. But Bomberman X Zero was Best just like the white like the happiest little guy on earth. He's just like I'm so happy to blow things up. And it's just like it's a dark, gritty wasteland where everything <laughs> is evil. I'm just ugh. Yeah, this was this was uh, the exact formula for how to ruin Bomberman. Was Bomberman it was like giving Mario a gun? Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> except that worked in uh, Mario plus rabbits. <laughs> That's true. It did. Okay, you're right. Never mind. And then there's the preview of Chrome Hounds. Um, let's see what's next here. Okay, this ad. I just what this ad for. Um, it's a, it's barterb.com. Tired of playing the same old games? But what is this? Oh, okay. I guess I was like, why did they pick this picture of this dude? I guess because he's supposed to look tired. I guess that's the connection. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought he just looked really high. I <laughs> could Maybe be both. both. Maybe it's both. Okay. Uh, and then uh, here's your big preview. Of I probably wrote this too. Agent. Yep, you did write that one. Yeah. Wait, did anybody else work on this issue? Was, was yeah, I flying no, solo here? Right? Well, you know, I flipped, I, I, you know, I cut everything out that we don't need to. Yeah, yeah. You know, to keep try and keep it concise. <laughs> oh. Speaking of playing Psychonauts on on your Xbox 360, apparently oh, yeah. it's one of the twenty best quick, Xbox gaming. games you never bought. What's if that? You just if you would humor me for a second and just go back to Splinter Cell yeah. real quick. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing about this about this game in particular, this was probably something that's rarely happened in game history. So. Double Agent was good on 360, but it was done by Ubisoft Shanghai, who also did Pandora Tomorrow, aka Splinter Cell 2. Uh, the original they made an original Xbox version of Double Agent, but it was developed by Ubisoft Montreal, the original developers of Splinter Cell, who also did Chaos Theory, who we all universally recognize as the greatest Splinter Cell game. And the original Xbox game, the original Xbox version of Double Agent made by Ubisoft Montreal was better than this 360 game made by Shanghai. It was a better game. It was the same story. It was like you just handed the same sort of uh, ingredients to two different chefs and they they both kind of made they made the same meal. But they they, you know, it's a little different. You know, it's it tastes a little different. And so that was. That that was just sort of a strange footnote with this game, where, where very very sort of under the radar, the old gen version was the better version. Maybe I I miss when that used to happen. Like you'd you'd have just one design doc across several platforms, and different teams would make it, and yeah, you get these vastly different video games. I, I do miss that. <clears throat> okay, the twenty best Xbox games you never bought: Steel Battalion. That's understandable. It, it costs like $250 to play that game, right? Yeah. Giant controller, yeah. Fantasy, Fantasy Star Online, Episodes 1 and 2, Oddworld uh, Stranger's Wrath. 
Panzer Dragoon Orta, Project Snowblind. I've never heard of that one. Uh, that was a Deus Ex spinoff. Weird. Uh, that, that turned out pretty decently. I believe, oh boy, don't, is, did, yeah, okay, it's right there. Crystal Dynamics made that mm -hmm. game. Yep. And then they would go on to make Tomb Raider Legend. Uh, PsyOps, the Mindgate Conspiracy. I've never played that game, but there's someone out there in Scoop Nation who sends that in for 20 questions all the time, and I never <laughs> Fun, I don't know fun fact about. about PsyOps. We would never get that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, there's co-op in PsyOps. There's a co-op multiplayer mode, but you don't control another guy. The two of you control the same person. One of you is, like, operating the physical <laughs> movements, and the other person is is controlling the powers, the abilities. It's like a horse costume? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just a funny funny little fact about PsyOps. Weird. Awesome. Armed and Dangerous was a LucasArts game oh, that yeah, I'm not familiar with. Uh, Otogi 2, which is uh, also from Soft. Yeah. Uh, Jet Set Radio Future, Advent Rising, and Voodoo Vince. I remember Voodoo Vince. Advent Rising from Chair, who would go on to make uh, Shadow Complex. Wow. And now those people all work on Fortnite. Well, this <laughs> is developer, and, it, and the, the story developer, was written by Orson Scott Card, Advent Rising. This is developer Glyphix. Did that become Chair? Orson Scott Card must have. that and Shadow Complex? I'm gonna, I'm going to look it up now because now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> he wrote Shadow Complex for sure. Uh, and Ryan, your staff pick for uh, the best Xbox game no one bought was Lynx 2004. Oh, oh yeah, that was that was fun, man. That was golf good game. times on Xbox Live. Is that a cartoony golf game? <clears throat> uh, I don't know if it's if it's cartoony or not. Ryan would have to. Which one? Lynx. Was Lynx car like cartoony? No. Was it like PlayStation's? No, it was PC? realistic. Lynx LS. Lynx was a was a PC golf sim. And Microsoft acquired the developer and the IP and did one game, just Lynx 2004, on console. Gladius? Okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, just, yeah, just, I am correct here. Let's see here uh, about Advent Rising. So, let's see. In 2006, Donald Mustard posted a statement on the website of his new venture, Chair Entertainment. Yeah, so it, it was the same people. My memory holds on this one. Got it. Gladius was a turn-based RPG from LucasArts. I don't, how are hmm. there so many LucasArts It was games really good. It was like a 40-hour, very deep, much deeper than it looked game. 13, which is the that cel-shaded game with David Duchovny. Unreal Championship 2 and Metal Arms Glitch in the System. Wow, I've never heard of that one. You've never heard of Metal Arms, Jared? Never. Oh, boy. Okay, you might... You would enjoy it. That game was sort of really underrated even in the moment. It was beautiful at the time. A really good action platformer. Really Is it backward good. compatible? I don't remember. I'll I'll find look out. it up. Yeah. I'll look it up. There's a sidebar, five games you didn't buy for a reason, which includes Bad Boys, Miami Takedown, Narc. I did not know they rebooted the arcade yeah, game. Yeah, it was it was which <laughs> I love. I love the original arcade game. Chicago Enforcer, Pulse Racer, and the guy game. Oh. <laughs> oh, you miss a narc. You fight that giant skull at the end of the arcade narc. It's yeah. awesome. I love the original arcade version of that game. A few more good games that no one bought. Sign of the Times. It is. Thief, Deadly Shadows, Deus Ex, Invisible War, Beyond Good and Evil, Womp Womp, Breakdown, and Psychonauts. Yeah, I guarantee Psychonauts. I push for Breakdown to be in that. Oh, I don't What's remember that Breakdown? game. It's a uh, Namco game. Yeah, first person. 
And it's it's one of the best video game stories I've still ever played. It the story oh. it is such a good sci fi story, and it takes so many cool mm. twists and turns. Uh, it's look it up if you're curious. It is really really good. Awesome. Uh, okay, this is uh, the whole feature on how to boost your your gamer score achievements. You oh, interview- look at the old blade menu. I think it's a blade <laughs> menu. Whoa! Is great. Did Dan Amrick write this? Uh, I have to find the byline, byline if we end. go back. Uh, oh, I don't know if they have it at the beginning. Uh, yeah, it is Dan Emmerich's. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Cool. And then you interviewed uh, gamers that had really high scores at the time, which is apparently like 33,000 was around the, the upper <laughs> end of what was possible at the time. And then some achievements that you said were impossible for Robotron 2084 and Joust. Uh, oh, no. The achievement is to make your way to Wave 100 on the default settings. But according to this, the game actually resets after 99 levels oh no and then in smash tv you're supposed to finish the entire game without continuing on the default settings no one no one alive has ever done that so difficult (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um yeah that's pretty good and then xbox live arcade what's next this this is uh some ideas on what you think xbox live arcade needs you said jeopardy you said uh, a mario party like you said Mm -hmm. a smash brothers like fantasy sports don't think that ever made its way to mm. Xbox Live. And then you asked for a rare museum, which... We got that. We did get that. Yeah, that so one that came true very, eventually. That years, later. years later. Yeah, that was very prescient. If you want to play Attic Attack, you can do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and the reviews, you've got Final Fantasy eleven online. Ooh. It's got a 6.5. Hey, Oof. remember there was a rare game that was free on Xbox? The Spaceman one? Uh, Jetpack? Or Jetpack, Jetpack? right? Yeah. That one free? Is that free? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a good game. You can still play this game, Final Fantasy XI, on PC. The servers yep. are still I'm online. Still right Table Tennis from Rockstar. Got an eight. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when that game came out. I know. It's just it's like been so game. long game, since Rockstar's done something weird like that. A game that was literally made as a test of their next-generation graphics engine, Rage. Mm-hmm. Rockstar Advanced for, Game Engine. For some reason, there's a Wii version of that game. Oh, yeah, they made it as a test bed for GTA Four. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, you, it's the same animation system, right? Yep, and right. physics system. Yep. Uh, Army men, major malfunction got a three, and classified the Sentinel Crisis got a two. Ooh, I'd never heard of it. I don't even remember that game. Classified the Sentinel Crisis. There's an ad for the World Series of Video Games in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and Dallas, Texas. Oh, I got to correct you here, Damon. That's Louisville. Oh, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> That's where the land war, land war 2006 took place. Everyone right. remembers. The great land war. The great Louisville land wars. X-Men, the official game, got a uh, 7.5 on original Xbox and a 7.0 on 360. I think okay, it's- so this is the base on the movie. That's why yeah. it's called the official game. Yeah. Painkiller, Hell Wars got a 7, and Urban Chaos got a 5. I reviewed Painkiller, apparently. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I barely remember Urban that. This is a great game title. <laughs> and then there's a 360 midterm report card midway through the first year. You gave the controller a B plus. Oh, we were interesting. Wow, bit, we were tough. We were tough. Yeah. Harsh, yeah. harsh, and the best controller should have been an A. Uh, 
uh, I think on the uh, the overall like game library that was available at the time, you gave that a B plus. System reliability an A minus. Whoops. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. All right. <laughs> Our unofficial Xbox. <laughs> well, it hadn't had time to break yet. It only been half well, a year. They didn't break for a year. I will say this. So this, in all seriousness, we. <laughs> With our collection of 360s in the office, they didn't red ring. Like our systems worked. So not that we were, you know, turning a blind eye to what was going on out there, but yeah, I can't I defend my first first day in the IGN office, I saw the closet of the red ringed Xboxes. <laughs> and they were still, you know, three hundred bucks in shops. Oh yeah. Whatever, you know, it was like three years, four years of the Xbox 360. <laughs> and I I could not believe how many there were. And then when we were moving offices, there yeah. were so many in a room that I built a replica of Stonehenge out of them. Oh. And I, I went and got our, our former boss at the time. I was like, look how cool this is. And he's like, you can't take a picture of that because we probably need to return those. So I was like, it's been 15 years. <laughs> what? That's but really funny, Sam. I have the picture. I have the picture. Okay. <laughs> That's... Oh. I also, for game preservation purposes, have all the hard drives at work locked away. So I, I snapped those off because those all have tons of downloaded games. Now, do I have, you know, Greg Miller's password for his Xbox hard, hard drive from 2002? No. I could probably get you that. <laughs> yeah. uh, for the backer compatibility, gave probably us, Superman. gave it a C minus. Mm. Marketing and advertising, you gave it a D plus. Mm. Said, isn't this Microsoft's brave new future? If so, where are the television ad campaign blitzes that inundate channels like Spike TV and Comedy Central? Instead, we've been witness to a constant barrage of Nintendo DS ads and even ads for Grand Theft Auto, Liberty City Stories, off of the PSP. Jeez. Oh, it looks like Professor McCaffrey wrote about uh, <laughs> Xbox Live there. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, for Xbox Live, you gave it a plus. A plus. A plus. I mean, which, but you know what? To be fair, come on. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you were right. You were right. It's on the cover of the issue. You covered this. <sighs> hardware availability. You gave a D. I don't. I don't remember it being that hard to get one. It, oh, for the first get, yeah. three months, it was it was almost impossible to find. Mm, interesting. Um, and then an overall performance, B plus. Okay, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and there's some. So you have like a rumor mill section here, which this one yeah. I thought was interesting. Starbreeze Studios, longtime friends of Xbox, with the amazing Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, and the potential packed 360 adaptation of The Darkness, will be taking the reins on a hot first-person shooter franchise that you'll be getting very familiar with later this year. Which was? I, I don't know. I don't know because the next well, game they put out was The Darkness, and like a uh, whole year later. So if I've never said this on the show, so I was the rumor mole just, just okay, to, gotcha. to, to out myself. And I have no idea what I would have possibly been indicating there. Although I will say that did eventually come true because they eventually made Wolfenstein. So they eventually okay. did get yeah. a new, a famous first person shooter. Yeah. I just, so I don't good think job, anything, anything within the next year other than the darkness that they had. It just came to you in a dream. That's what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, if this is you writing, Ryan, you're having some fun with the, the name of the Nintendo Wii. It uh -oh. says, the official name of the next Nintendo console, previously codenamed The Revolution, a name we thought perfectly summed up, summed up the Big N's approach to its next system. The final name of the remote control box is Snicker. It's ha 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 ha. Sorry, <laughs> give us a moment. Okay, okay, it's Wii. <laughs> 
150 million consoles later, who's laughing now? <laughs> well, we're still laughing, but Nintendo's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, all the way to the yeah. bank, exactly. And then coming soon to Xbox, a game based on Archie Comics. I don't think that ever happened. That never happened. It was a Predator game. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, over in the uh, hardware reviews, you did a Nyko remote, gave it an 8. The 360 Quick Charge Kit got an 8, and the Nyko Intercooler got a 6.5. Mm. I really like the official Xbox remote, but I didn't end yeah. up using it for anything. I just I just thought it was so cool that it existed. I missed the little um, uh, keyboard that attached to the controller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so cool. Little Blackberry type keyboard. It fit between the bottom of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was really nice. That thing was neat. Uh, the Gamefly Top 10, just for 360, the Top 10 most rented games at the time were Tomb Raider Legend, Battlefield 2 Modern Combat, Hitman Blood Money, Far Cry Instincts Predator, X-Men the Official Game, MLB 2K6, Rockstar Games Presents Table Tennis, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, Top Spin 2, and The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. So people trying out new stuff mostly. Yeah, very rentable games aside from Oblivion there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I don't know what I was going to mention here. Oh, hey, we just launched. That's when I first started podcasting. Oh, yeah, that's what I mentioned. KOXM Radio is live. Tune in every Friday for more OXM with over a dozen shows under our belts. We can't really call ourselves new to the podcast game anymore, <laughs> but we're still proud to announce that we've begun producing. We call it OXM. It says hosted by Ryan and the rest of the staff. <clears throat> nice, Ryan. That's so cool. That was, uh, I didn't know yeah. you pioneered their podcast. I did. I was, I eagerly, uh, the, the bosses came in and said, we want to start doing a podcast. And I said, I really want to do that. So they let yeah, me do it. And we have a mutual uh, friend that works at Digital Eclipse now, Jeremy Williams, that That's uh, right. worked on those podcasts there. That's right. It all comes around to Digital Eclipse. <clears throat> All things in, in eventually end in Digital Eclipse. I agree. Mike Micah is the secret center of the universe. 100%. Yeah. Best office I've ever seen in my entire life. I totally agree. Their office is great. And we end I with I mean an, Mike specifically. <laughs> we end with yeah. an editorial, an editorial from Jeff Keeley talking about how <laughs> Xbox Live Marketplace could be the next iTunes. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Jeff used to do our, our we we hired him to do our back page columns for a while. Oh. Okay. Did he write one called Why Hideo Kojima Loves Me? Or? <laughs> I think that was before the bromance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that is the July issue of, or sorry, the July 2006 issue of official Xbox magazine. What a fun, exciting time in, in games, just yes. in general. Yes, it really was. I look back on that so fondly, and there's so much to look forward to all the time. And I just like so much innovation. It was just a great period of video games. And, and, and one yeah. year after that magazine was definitely the greatest year of Xbox, of, of the Xbox the 360 generation. Year, right? Yeah, 2007. Yeah, I mean, it, it was and Halo it was 3, unreal. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah, but also, isn't that when things like Braid first hit and, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it started getting some of arcade? Might have been a little later. Okay, I can't remember if Braid came out or not. But Braid and Bionic Commander rearmed were the summer of arcade games, along with one other that was good. But yeah, it was great. There was there was, there was so Lim- Limbo, and there was, uh, was Joe Blair. Danger. Yeah, man, it's good. I love Joe Danger. I remember that was a big hit in the office for Damon. Well, as Scoop Nation well knows, there's a new Double Dragon game coming out soon. Double Dragon Gaiden, Rise of the Dragons. Here to tell us all about it is Ray Tio, founder and game designer at Secret Base. Ray, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So, first of all, pretty cool that we're getting a brand new Double Dragon game. 
Uh, it's been a while. The series, you know, it's a long-running series. It started out as a Technos property, uh, and now it's uh, the property of Arc System Works, which, as a scoop gym for Scoop Nation, uh, Arc System Works, I believe, developed the Sega Master System port of the original arcade game. Now they're the owners of the property. So, Ray, how did this project even come to be for you and Seeker Base? Um, this started back in around 2014, where I released a parody beat'em up called That Was There. So at the time, I think it was a coincidence that uh, they they were exploring the idea of maybe uh, expo- uh, publishing indie titles. So they they reached out to me to to see if uh, oh maybe we can publish that game, you know. But uh, we already have a publisher at the time, so we uh, that that didn't pan out then, you know. However, we stay in contact. A uh, couple of years down the road, uh, they, I read that they have uh, acquired the Double Dragon IP, you know, and they have just released uh, Double Dragon Four at that time, you know. So that was a very classic approach to the game, uh, and I reached out to them to see if they are interested to to try having the game in in a new direction, uh, and I share with them my my pitch, my ideas. Uh, and it seems to like it. Uh, took a bit of convincing for to to sh- to show a little bit more about the game. What's our concrete plan? You know, before before we knew it down, but but uh, thankfully we did. And enjoying it. Uh, you're right. It is kind of a new direction for Double Dragon. The gameplay, the you know, the moment to moment combat will feel very familiar. And you've got a, sort of a modern pixel art style. You've included a lot of the uh, classic music in there. I believe the level select music is like the level one music from the original Double Dragon. You've got the same level clear music, uh, the same uh, game over music. Uh, but sort of the new direction you've taken it in is uh, you've got well, more playable characters now, which we can talk about in a minute. And then now you have this whole level select function, kind of a Mega Man level select function where whichever level you choose first, that'll be your first level. And then after you defeat it, the other levels rank up in difficulty. And that's sort of how you handled uh, your, your, your difficulty ramp. So can you just sort of talk about how, how you came up with these ideas and what made you want to implement these ideas into Double Dragon? Hmm. Um, a lot of our approach is um, looking at the the game and seeing how we can try to reinterpret some of the gameplay. Uh, I, I think there's been a lot of uh, uh, recent um, iteration of the classic games where I think like Streets of Rage and TMNT took the approach to, to take the old formula and try to mega polish it right so they they took whatever works and then they they, they do it um give it the modern twist and then give it the uh, a much uh, better improvement wherever it's needed so however the approach that we took is slightly different i think we went for something that is more like uh let's let's look at what the game is right now uh, what the game uh can be uh and what that means you know so for example back in the days uh double dragon uh, I believe one of the reasons why it was called Double Dragon is because they, they took the formula. Uh, they, the the game had a two-player mode in 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 action games uh, in the arcade, and that was supposed to be a, a breakthrough at the time. Um, <clears throat> however, like uh, games have since taken that and tried to build on upon. Uh, 
but what can double dragon means in in 2023 you know so one of the things that we came up with was the tagging mechanic you know so to to build on on the the term double dragon you know so that's one of the first thing that we came up with and that was actually in the early as early as in in the pitch that we shared with uh, Arc System Works at that time, you know. Hmm. Uh, beyond that, uh, it's also about looking at the game and seeing like, uh, okay, so now we want to bring it over to to home console uh, compared to back in the days in the arcade. But how can we bring back some of that familiarity, you know, in a way where people at home can is is uh, used to that. Uh, and one of the thing that we we did was that uh, we. We look at some of the games like with roguelike elements and see how we can integrate that. We had some experience with that, uh, doing something like this in my previous game that was there, uh, which a lot of those experience is actually translated over here. You know, uh, we we look at what works in that game and whatnot, and then like some of the players feedback, and then we reintegrate them into into this one. So it's a test and proven formula for us, uh, and hugely improve upon on. Very cool. You mentioned Streets of Rage 4. Um, and then last year, we had both Shredder's Revenge and the Cowabunga Collection. And then, of course, there's the River City games, uh, the River City Girls games, for all, also from Arc System Works. What do you think uh, is behind sort of this resurgence in uh, in brawler games, beat-em-up games? It seems like they're all of a sudden back in fashion in a big way. I think for a long time, a lot of developers like myself, you know, we... We grew up with all these games. We have always wanted to work on these games, you know, and um, it's just that working on these games are not easy. You know, traditionally, uh, these games have been visual intensive. And uh, although it looks like a simple formula where it goes from, where you just go around <laughs> fighting, but it's actually a lot of work, you know, so... It has not been easy to handle, but with the tools, uh, with the tools making it more possible these days, you know, I think that has uh, lowered the bar a little bit. Uh, on top of that, there's also the, I think the player's interest has also always been there. It's just kind of hard for, uh, to find a perfect balance to, to the formula because the formula traditionally has been an arcade game where, uh, and it's, maybe around 30 minutes of gameplay you know so mm -hmm. it's hard to sell on players uh something like that these days without them feeling feeling bored but in recent years i think like uh, a, a lot of us has been trying to bring in more more things that uh that allows the game to still be a very fun experience if you, even if you were playing it at home uh over a, a period of two hours three hours mm -hmm. and uh you know to keep that fun going Sure. What's your personal history with Double Dragon, the series? Does it go all the way back to the original in the arcades or on the NES? Uh, more on the NES. You know, so uh, in Singapore, things um, like, uh, I, I think the arcade machine back then, uh, there would be Double Dragon, but it's, arcade center were, were not as, uh, there, there weren't as many. You know, in comparison, uh, in comparison to places like the US or Japan, I would imagine. You know, but uh, I had a cousin that had a NES. We went over to his place over the the holidays, and he had Double Dragon. You know, uh, 
And as a as a kid looking at Double Dragon game, that was just a that was just very different from the usual Mario and, and mm-hmm. Ice Climber games that I was playing. So it's all of a sudden I'm seeing seeing uh, Kung Fu on on video games, you know, going up against gang, trying to trying to save the girlfriend and stuff like that. That was very very uh, impressive mm-hmm. and, and interesting for a kid. Now this is this is Double Dragon Gaiden, so or like a Double Dragon side story, not Double Dragon Five. Uh, was there a discussion about that? Was there any talk about actually making a numbered sequel versus making sort of a a, a, a spinoff? Yeah, we. This was initially uh, gonna be either a Double Dragon Five, or there was an idea to make it a Double Dragon Zero. You know, mm. so uh, for for a while that was the that was the direction that we were going for, and. Uh, early on, there was a few things that was decided, you know, like I want to make this uh, a bit of a Double Dragon All-Star where you have uh, more, a lot of the old classic characters that uh, people recognize coming back into the game uh, in one form or another. But it was a bit hard, uh, law-wise, the characters, like why would they appear at this time point and, and things like that. And also, we are also taking the opportunity to, to freshen up the gameplay, right? So... Uh, at some point, uh, our system was the, actually the one that came out with the idea and says, hey, why not make this a, a guidance that allow you to, to do the changes and you're no longer uh, tied back by, by the storyline of the game. So mm-hmm. that I thought was a, a good approach for what we are doing here. So now this becomes a, a, a bit of a, a for the franchise. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, I think it's a good point for for you know the older gamers to to play the game, uh, but also uh, for younger gamers that have not tried it, didn't know about it. Uh, this is a good time for them to come in and try as well. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, so this time around, Marion is playable, um, and she plays quite a bit differently. She's like a ranged uh, fighter where she has her pistol, and that really changes up the way that Double Dragon feels. Can you talk about sort of how you went uh, about implementing her character into the action? Yeah, um, Marion, we, uh, like I mentioned, because very early on, we, we, were, th- we were thinking about like, uh, oh, this should be a bit of a Double Dragon All-Star, you know? And mm. so who are the characters gonna come back and then who's gonna be the characters gonna, that's gonna make the, the starting uh, startup, uh, starting lineup? Right, so uh, Marion was obviously uh, one of them because uh, she is uh, one of the very highly recognized characters, right? So, uh, and also we found in the in our research that she actually has a background, like uh, in in quite a few iterations. She she's she's a police or a police trainee, and mm-hmm. even mentioned somewhere that uh, she she trained with the brothers growing up, you know, and things like that. So we found that that was uh, something that we can play with. Uh, and given the the storyline of the police, so okay, now 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 she she has that background. How can we make use of that? Uh, and it was great because it gave us the opportunity to do a very contrasting gameplay from Billy and Jimmy, which is what we are going for. Where every time you change a character, uh, the gameplay changes, and uh, not only that, uh, you you can match up different combination of characters, and now uh, your tech your you. Your, your tech mechanics, your, your tech partners uh, have a different dynamic for you to consider. So that, that fits very well with the rest of the design. We went with that. It seems like you've added a lot of um, 
fun little details and even like Easter eggs that have been a, a long, long time fans of the series and just like long time gamers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some stage <clears throat> where you're fighting on in a subway. I'm pretty sure on the on the subway there are posters of uh, Battletoads. Even though it's not, it's a little bit low res. You you would have to know what the original box art looks like to identify it. But can, can you confirm or deny? Am I am I seeing that correctly? I'm not sure if I should, you know. But okay. uh, we okay, well. we do want to obviously, you know, uh, have a few nods to to the things that players are uh, feel strongly about. Well, to my eye, there's a poster in the game that looks very much like uh, Battletoads. Uh, it must be very cool to work on, uh, you know, such a um, classic celebrated game series. Uh, going, you know, after getting past the release of Double, Dra Double Dragon Gaiden, are there any other classic video game series you'd like to work on? Oh, wow. Uh, yes, there's so many. I see a lot of fans, uh, like, uh, asking for games like Golden Axe, you know, uh, mm. Personally, I, I, I also enjoy games like uh, Battletoads that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I think uh, if there's a chance, you know, it will, be, it will be very interesting if we can extend this uh, to, to have Double Dragon meet Battletoads again, you know, in oh, one, yeah. one way or another. That, that would be a dream come true, right? Uh, on top of that, I think that's also an interesting approach, like uh, other than... Uh, classic beat them up, you know, like beat them up used to be a thing where where IP would become a beat them up, and that would be a very interesting approach to it. I think there's a lot of different things that can be done, you know, even like a He Man beat them up, uh, or or uh, uh, any classic titles that can come that wasn't traditional this traditionally this kind of gameplay would be an interesting approach to to add a combat twist to it. I would love, yeah, I would, I would love to see what you could do with all that. Ray, thank you so much for coming by the show. Double Dragon Gaiden is out July 27th on all platforms. Ray, good luck with the launch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Nick from West Michigan. Let the questioning begin. That's a big region of Michigan. I was very much like. Yeah, my first question is that the town of West Michigan, or is that just like maybe, maybe like it's the just a shout out to like Holland, Three Rivers, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Muskegon, Little Point, Sable, Great Lighthouse. Damon, you should talk to me about West Michigan, everybody. You should start Damon, asking start. your uh, your listeners to to include their age, because then that would mm. that would help us. That would help us cheat a little bit. It probably does and help. Zone yeah. in. Was this yeah, game it, released it, it, before the year two thousand? Nope. Okay. Could this game have been featured in the issue of OXM we just read? No. Later than that, probably then. Was this game a console game? Yes. It's not uh, a rule out. Is it available in cartridge form? Ooh. That's my Switch question for the week. <clears throat> Well, yes, I... Do you want me to change it to just, is this available on the Switch? Well, you can ask whatever question you want to ask. Okay, what? was it, is this available on the Switch? Yes. Okay, okay. Right, we've got there. our era now. <clears throat> yeah, uh, there could is, be a later port, that too. Yeah, is it an exclusive? No, that's five. All right. We got a third party. Is this a Japanese game? No. 
Is this a fighting game, an action game, or a sports game? No. Hey. Okay, so we know it's not an eShop game because he said we've, it's got a cartridge. No, no, so, he didn't, no, I didn't answering say that. that question. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, oh, that's right. All right. Uh, is, is this game available in physical media form? Yes. Okay. But it may not be on the Switch. That could be in an early system, too. It could be one of those evil ports. No, because it's after 2000, so. Well, yeah, but it could be. It yeah, could it could be a, be a port from the 360 or the PS3 era. Yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, it's not it's, action yeah. fighting or sports, we said, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. And it's not an exclusive, right, Sam? That was what you had asked? Right, yeah. Okay. So, multi platform. You want to ask licensing or not? Or is, it- is this is this part of a, a, a series that reaches back into the nineties or eighties? No. Well, <clears throat> n- not in video game form. Okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> so it's. Do we think it's licensed? Sounds. Well, it's got to be. Yeah. Is this based on a movie or TV show? No, and that's ten. Maybe a comic book or, or a soda pop. <laughs> Let's see, after two thousand, it's on the Switch. We don't know much about what kind of game this is at all. We don't know. Yeah, it could be like a, and it's not TV or movies. I mean, that's weird. It's like kids cartoon book, or mm-hmm. I mean, kids cartoon again. So book or book. Yeah, book cartoon or comic. character. Is this based on a book or comic? Yes. All right. Maybe it's Walking Dead. Uh, well, that's certainly possible. Could also be, could also be The Witcher. That's <laughs> based on a book. That's true. Game to the Switch. Totally, totally. Witcher Three. I think you're onto. Is this an open world game? Yes. Uh huh. Right. Does this game feature a protagonist who wields two swords, one silver and one steel? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Sounds like it involves witching. <laughs> now we just well, got to get the right one. It. We got it quickly. Is yeah, it The Witcher Three? It is The Witcher 3. Wild yep. Hunt. Yes. Nice. Four, 14 questions. Wild Hunt. And I was surprised to learn that I, we've never had that game on 20 questions before. Cool. There we the go. Witcher what a lovely game. I don't know why The Witcher popped into my head. Uh, yeah, but books, it, man. You nailed it. <laughs> totally yeah, you did. had it. It is on Switch. I remember this. that's how Tina played it. She played it on Switch. But I don't know if it got a physical release in like, on a cartridge or not. Or if it's just Switch, digital. That's a good question. Yeah, that I don't, I don't remember. Is that well, we know it didn't get a limited run. If not, and you have the rights, please call limited run game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, nicely job, everybody. Thank you for the suggestion. Nick in West Michigan, viewers, listeners, <laughs> if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you so much to both Ryan and Jared for joining us this week. Always Thank a treat you. to have you on. Thank you to Sam. Thank you to Tayo working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Remember, no regular episode next week, but we will have a fun uh, surprise episode for you in its stead. My name is Damon. This is IGN GameScoop, and we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.